Let us pray. Lord, you are indeed the Lord of life, the Lord of creation, the one who created us and established this world for us to live in, established this life for us to lead. We ask for your wisdom as we seek to live it in a way that honors you and brings glory to your name. So bless us in this time, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, last week we started a five-week series on... Oops, a little too far. Let's go back. Oh, there we go. That's the one I want. Making room for life. We are talking about what are the important things in life that maybe we haven't made enough room for. If you look at that jar, you can kind of see uh, something going on there. And that is that the rocks don't fit, don't they? Do they? Oftentimes, we put all the, the smaller rocks, the less important things first, and they pile up, and then the big important things are still there, and we're like, oh yeah, I need these too, don't I? And we go to put them in, and they just don't fit. But if you know this illustration at all, you know that if you put the rocks first, the big rocks first, the most important things first, and then you pour the little pebbles in, the neat thing is they just kind of fall to the side, they fall to the cracks, and they all seem to fit as they need to. And so that's what we're talking about over these five weeks. We're talking about what are these things that we need to, to put in our life? What do we need to make room for in our life so that we're living in the way that God created us to live? And so last week we talked about the need to get past the crowded loneliness, that we are surrounded by people, but we still see so many people in our world that are lonely. We talked about what we need in the midst of all these people and events that are, that are causing our life to be busy, that in the midst of that loneliness, we experience that oftentimes because we are not taking the time to build deep friendships with others. We talked about the need for a Sabbath day of rest. God commanded us to take this Sabbath day of rest for a purpose. He designed us. He created our bodies to need rest. Not just rest from work, which is important, but rest so that we can worship God and connect deeper with God, and rest so that we can spend time with family and friends. And that's where we're going to kind of, we're going to focus on those two things today, about the relationship we have with God and the relationship we have with others, and how that helps us to get rid of the stress in our lives. And we're going to learn that about talking about how we can restructure our life, restructure our relationships, and we're going to learn from a very interesting group of people, and it's a people called the Bedouin Shepherds that are found in Israel. And so we're going to learn that lesson today. So I was reading an article not too long ago about a group that was traveling in Israel, and they're going on to all the different holy sites, and they're in this nice air-conditioned bus, this luxurious bus. Of course, that's how Americans like to take their trips, right? They're in this luxurious bus driving around. Oh, isn't this nice? Oh, there's a holy site over there. Oh, they, yeah, maybe we'll... No, it's too hot. We'll not get out. We'll just stay in this bus, right? And so they're driving along, and they get to this one place. They see all the hills and the desert and the dirt and the dust, and they see this shepherd out there, and they see the shepherd with the sheep, and they start to talk about the lifestyle. They start to reflect, what kind of lifestyle do they live? You know, they have these tents, and they move from place to place, and wow, it's so hot, and they're so isolated, right? And, and we're in our nice 
air-conditioned bus right now, and then they start to reflect on how nice it is they have their homes, and that you know, each person has their own bedroom, and, and all this luxury, right? And they start talking in a way that, wow, we feel so blessed to have the life we have. Isn't that the way we are? So often we look at others and we judge them for their life, not even knowing who they are, what kind of life they are, have, what, what's going on in their life. Well, the, the, tour, the tour guide got an idea. He said, ah, this is an opportunity for me. And so he got on, on the microphone, and this is what he said. He said, off to your right, you'll see the mobile residence of the Bedouin shepherd and his family. Once their livestock has grazed the available vegetation, the family will pick up their humble home and move to a new place to repeat this cycle. The amazing thing about these people is that the average Bedouin lives to be over 100 years old. And did you catch that? The average Bedouin lives to be over 100 years old. Now, the tour guide knew that this information would shock the tourists, and he started to share about how this intrigued the Israeli government as well. And so they started to do a study on the Bedouins, trying to find out what gives them such longevity of life. And so they looked at their diet first. They said, well, maybe it's what they eat. Maybe it's it's their diet. And so they began to look at how they, they include whole foods. They don't eat preservatives. They don't eat candy. They have a moderate intake of uh, meat. But then as they studied their diet more and more, they realized, you know, that's not the primary reason for their long life. And so they studied them further, and they tried to figure out what gives them such longevity. And finally, the, the tour guide kind of paused for a moment, and then he said two words. He said, what gives them their long life is no stress. No stress. The reason they lived so long is there was no stress in their lives. Now, this makes sense because stress causes so many problems, health problems, right? Migraines and sickness and all these things come from, from stress in our lives. Now, the average American, it's, I'm not sure if this is completely up to date, but it's somewhere in the low 70s, the average American lives. So there's, there's like a 30-year difference between the average American, how long they live, and the average Bedouin, and how long they live. That is significant. And yet these people are saying, we feel privileged to the life we have, and yet if you ask the Bedouin, they wouldn't exchange their lives for that of yours. So, if their lives are so stress-free, what does an average day of the Bedouin look like? Well, they rise just before the sun rises because they want to utilize every hour of sunlight in the day. And what's interesting is that each person has a job to do. They each are designated what they're going to do. They know their purpose. They have their place. They get up, the sun rises, and they begin to go through the day and do what they need to do. Now, some will make clothes, some will prepare meals or mend or go to town or barter, some will tend to sheep. And they do this work and they have this sense of what they are called to do each day in their lives. And whatever is to be accomplished is to be accomplished when the sun is up because they don't have any artificial light. And so they get all their work done and then once they're done they come back to their tents and their tents are kind of gathered in a circle, so there's a sense of community there. And they have a meal together. And the meal can take a while because they're not in a rush. 
They don't have any, anything else to do. And then they'll build a campfire, and they'll get around the campfire, and they'll tell stories, and they'll sing songs, and they'll, they'll play music. And this could go on for three to four hours where they're just hanging out. You know, children and parents and grandchildren and aunts and uncles and all this extended family together enjoying one another's company and just the enjoyment of the day. And so their, their work is physical, and it keeps them fit. They work hard, and so they're tired. At the end of the day, they go to sleep. Because they're tired, they go fairly early to sleep. They have the stars and the constellations above them. No noise from the city. And so it's said that they had that deep, replenishing sleep that so many of us fail to get. And because of all this going on, their stress level is low. Now think about that life compared to your life. Think about that schedule compared to your schedule, right? We need to reflect upon the Bedouins in their life. Now last week, uh, 4th of July, uh, Tammy's dad's birthday is on the 4th of July, and so we drove up to Camarillo. Now, You look at that and you think, wow, what fun that is. I love driving in traffic. Ask my kids, I love driving in traffic. Right, this is what we deal with. I mean, even when I go home from work at five-ish at, at night, it can take me up to 25 minutes to go five miles. I don't know anyone, maybe there is, but I don't know them, I don't know anyone who drives in California in the midst of all the crazy drivers and all the traffic that does not experience stress when they drive. Now, if you don't express, um, experience stress when you drive, you can come talk to me later and you can tell me how you do that, okay? <laughs> how do you drive and not experience stress? But we live just in our driving creates stress in our lives. See, the Bedouins do not live hectic lives. Their life is beautiful. It's simplistic. There's unity. There's rhythm. As I said before, there's purpose. There's understanding of what their life is about. So what is the secret of the Bedouin? Well, first, their way of life moves with fluidity with the rhythm of creation. Second, their way of life is filled with community. Third, their way of life is free from stress, as I said before. Fourth, their way of life is free of all the emotional and physical health problems that can take us down early. And last, their way of life flows more closely with the way the scriptures talk about life and living life. Their life is not the kind that can be bought with money. The lifestyle we are meant to have that's ingrained in our soul that is talked about in the scriptures is lived out by the Bedouins. God talks to us about it. We read this a little bit ago, but when you see the yellow part, read that with me, please. And so Jesus comes and he gives us amazing wise words when he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. 
See, one of the ways that we get rid of our stress is that we need to give our burdens to God. God makes that offer to us. The question is, are we going to take him up on that offer? Right? How hard do we hold on to our stress, our burdens, our frustrations, our anger? Right? Our grudges. We hold on to all these things and they create stress and stress and more stress. When God says, give it to me and I will take it from you. Right? Our call to worship was about not being anxious, about God saying, I know what you need. Trust in me. Don't be anxious. Trust that I will care for you. So the first step to get rid of stress is to remove your burdens by giving them to God. How nice it would be is if our burdens were something solid like this, right? And God was a person, and I could pick up this and Kenny's really strong, right? So I pick up this burden, right? And I hand it to him. And he's like, oh, that's nothing. And he puts it on his back and walks away like it's nothing. And now I've, I've gotten rid of my burden. How nice it would be if it was physical that we could hand off to someone and we could physically see them taking it from us. And we could physically see it going away from us. And we could say, oh, there's my burden. It's going away. How nice. I don't have my burden anymore. Oh, my shoulders feel so good today. But it's not that physical, and so it's harder to give away our burdens, to release them. But God says, give them to me. But there's more. There's more to getting rid of our stress that we learn from the Bedouins. What is the key? There's a cycle, a cycle of life and death, right? That's part of our world. That's the cycle. If we have this eternal perspective that there's birth and there's life and there's death and there's eternal life, then we live much less stress-free or we live more stress-free in our lives because we know that this is just part of the cycle of life. So we're born, and how wonderful it is to see babies all around, right? On our uh, summer fun night on Friday, we had three babies there. It was so fun to see all these babies. And then they live, and then they get big, like our kids get big, right? And we're like, oh my gosh, look how big they are, right? And then they get older, and then they die, and that's part of life. That's the cycle. And if we have that eternal perspective, that's really helpful for us to have a very mature understanding of that. But secondly, there's a circle of the sunrise and sunset, right? Every day the sun rises, and every, every night the sun sets, and, and there's a 24-hour period, and it's a day, and then another day, and then a week, and then a month, right? And we have this cycle, this circle of life that goes, right? It's even fun that you have in the midst of all the years, right? You have the, the new year. Every year we have a new year. And then you have a new month. Oh, now it's, you know, it's almost, it's July now, right? And then pretty soon, oh, and then August, it's a new month. So this is a cycle, the circle of life that is going on. You probably remember the Lion King movie, play. And there's a song, right? The circle of life. There's a cycle of life where it goes on um, all around us. There's an important circle that deals with relationships and community. And this is where oftentimes we as Americans are failing. In our relationships, in our community that God has, has created for us to help relieve the stress in our lives. And so as you think about the complexity of our life, we think about how to better live. You think about words like prioritize, eliminate, simplify, consolidate. Prioritize, eliminate, 
simplify, consolidate. These are important words, important aspects of life for dealing with quality relationships, building quality relationships. If you want to have quality relationships in your life, you need to be reflecting upon how do I prioritize? What do I need to eliminate? Where do I need to simplify? Where do I need to consolidate my life? And yet we can prioritize and eliminate and simplify and consolidate and we can still miss the point. Because we live in something that's called linear relationships. Now you may not have heard this term, so I'm going to talk about this for a moment. Linear relationships. What are they? What are linear relationships? It's the way most Americans live. It's the model that we live in. And a linear model is where our relationships that we have with each other we have relationships with, with people, but those people we have relationships oftentimes don't have relationships with other people we have relationships. Does that make sense? And so I have my relationships here at church, but you don't necessarily know my family relationships. So you don't know some of my other friends. You, you, know, you don't know the, the parents of Tyler and Tiffany's friends. And, and so there's all these different groups in our life. So I want you to imagine for a moment that in your next birthday party, you invite one person from each of your people group relationships, okay? So now you're in this room, and there's all these people, and you know them all, and they know, know you, but they don't know each other. And in that context, you're going to get very tired and kind of stressed in that situation. Why? Because you're trying to connect with everybody because you know they don't know anyone else. So you're trying to connect with them and make them feel comfortable, right? And then maybe you're trying to introduce them to each other. And when you do that, it's like trying to juggle all these plates, right? And then one plate starts to, one plate starts to wobble, so you gotta go back. Oh, I gotta get that one. Oh, this one over here. Oh, no. Right? And you're running around and you're trying to keep these plates spinning and upright. And that's the way we live our lives. We have all these people groups we're running around trying to, to connect and trying to make everyone happy, and we get exhausted, and it causes great stress in our lives. But the most damaging aspect of linear friendships is that no one really knows the real you, because the real you comes from all those relationships. Your relationship that you have with God, the relationship you have with each other. And so because people don't know all the other people in your life, they don't really know the real you. They only know the little part of you that they encounter in that brief amount of time that they spend with you. Here's an important statistic. Two-thirds of people who struggle with stress cite loneliness as the major problem. But remember I said that we're surrounded by people all the time, right? And we have all these people around us, and yet in the midst of all these people around us, people are still experiencing deep loneliness in their life. And that is because the linear world that we live in leaves us isolated, misunderstood, exhausted, and shallow. It's really about a sense of belonging. Oftentimes, stress and loneliness comes from not really feeling like you belong, to, belong anywhere. You have so many aspects to your life that you don't really feel like you belong in this world. You don't really feel like you have purpose in this world. So to bring this sense of belonging to our lives, we need to develop a circle of relationships, a collective of people of all ages and all stages of life that flow in and out 
of each other's lives. Deuteronomy 6, 49, and again, when you see the yellow part, please read with me. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as a symbol on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Now, why do we do all this? So we'll remember it. Remember Jesus when he said, love the Lord God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. The two important relationships in our life. Love God and love each other. They're so important. One of the major problems of linear relationships is that it causes isolation. And as Solomon said in Proverbs 27.10, do not forsake your friend or a friend of your family. And do not go to your relative's house when disaster strikes you. Better a neighbor nearby than a relative far away. See how this is possible to live this way in, hectic in, in our hectic lives when our families oftentimes are far away is that God provides people in our lives, special people in which we are to have relationships that they can draw alongside us. And in those times of stress, in those difficult times, we have people around us all the time supporting us in those times. Dr. Paul Roche of the American Institute of Stress. There's actually an Institute of Stress, okay? They've created this. That shows you the problem of stress in our world, right? When you create a whole institute for one issue, right? So he he's a, a, works at the American Institute of Stress, and he says this. Before the agricultural revolution, isolated settlements probably consisted of about 100 people. Since these individuals probably had fairly closely daily interactions, varying degrees, varying degrees of friendship probably de developed amongst all of them. Interestingly, some authorities feel that 100 people is close to the maximum number of true friendships one can ever experience to develop in a lifetime. Today, some city dwellers may come into contact with 1,000 people in just one day. Many high schools in large cities have 5,000 students, or 50 times more people than our ancestors would have encountered in a lifetime. Sadly, although there are many more opportunities for establishing friendships today, it is equally apparent that less time is available to nurture them. It gets back to the busyness we talked about last week, right? Today, we are overstimulated with people exposure. And because of this, people shy away from having deep encounters with others. Therapist Will Miller says that there's so much depression in our our society because we don't have enough refrigerator rights. Want me to explain that to you? <laughs> refrigerator rights is really an interesting concept. Okay, refrigerator rights is the, the person you have in your life that can walk into your house, can walk up to your refrigerator, open it up, and get something out of the refrigerator without asking permission. Do you have anybody in your life like that, that you feel that comfortable, that, that feels that comfortable with you, that they, not family members, okay, put aside family members for a moment. People in your life, friends in your life, they'll walk into your house, 
They'll open the refrigerator, they'll get something out of the refrigerator, and they won't ask for permission. I don't know that too many people have those kind of relationships, right? There's something about our, our kitchen and our refrigerator that's like holy, right? What are you doing opening my refrigerator? What are you taking out of my refrigerator? Did I say you could have my mandarin lime? Those are in the back for a reason. They're hidden because they're mine, right? Think about the depth of a relationship you need to have with someone, the comfortability of relationship you have with someone that they can just walk into your house, open your refrigerator, take something out, and not have to ask your permission. It takes an amazing depth in the relationship that can allow that to happen. And so let me just close with two things that we can do to build relationships in our life. The first is in your neighborhood or in your community, right? Are you building relationships with the people in your community? Maybe you need to have a, a block party, right? Or maybe you need to be intentional about making sure that your children are playing with the other children in the neighborhood, and when they're doing that, you're getting to know the parents. Or maybe you invite them over for dessert, or maybe you have a game night with people, and the, the, the issue is, okay, now I need to know the people around which I live. In California especially, we don't usually know the people around us, unless you've lived, I know some of you lived in your houses many years, and so maybe you know your neighbors, but there's so many that don't even know our neighbors. We're just slowly, you know, we've been there a year now, we're just slowly getting to know our neighbors. It's not easy in California to do that, but it's important because they're right around us. It's a great opportunity to build friendships. And then the second thing is trying to connect the people in our lives, the circles in our life, how can we connect those people more? And that might require the simplifying and the consolidating that I was talking about. Maybe we need to limit the people groups in our life and then find a way to connect those relationships together. Then a second suggestion is the church, right? The church is one of those only places where you have relationships with the little ones, right? All the way up to older ones. We have all kinds of ages and varying lifestyles and experiences in our church. What a, a, a beautiful opportunity to get to know people from so many different walks of life. And so I want to encourage you to invest yourself in the opportunities church as much as you can. Not burning yourself out or stretching yourself too thin, but these relationships that we have in church are so important. And then maybe we can invite our friends and our family to be with our church and we can have some interconnection there going on. So, first suggestion is that to limit stress, we need to limit our linear relationships and have more and deeper connected relationships with people. We need to build that circle of life, right? We need to remember the words from the, the, the wise movie, Lion King, right? Where a pig and a hyena said, Hakuna Matata. You know what that means? No worries. No worries. And how do we have no worries? Just a quick summary. First, we give our burdens to God. And let God take our burdens. And trust that God knows what we need, and God will take care of us. And then secondly, we allow others to come into our life to support us. 
There's a wonderful verse in Galatians 6.1. This verse says this, or 6.2, I'm sorry. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. God did not design you, did not create you to be isolated. God created all of us to be in relationship with him and in relationship with each other. And as we carry each other's burdens, then we lighten the load and we, we get rid of the stress. Let's pray.